morning and happy Mother's Day to all of you and uh, good morning we're just uh, glad to be here this morning glad to be able to celebrate with you and happy Mother's Day to all the special moms out there happy Mother's Day to my own mom and uh, uh, God bless you and uh, anyway we hope you have a very special honorable day today um, well, we're excited. Just before I get into the message this morning, there's just a couple of announcements. We will have Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, many times we have canceled in the past uh, due to Mother's Day, but we had uh, a lot of interest to come in and come tonight with our new Bible study on Andrew's Womack's book, A Better Way to Pray. So we won't have a full house tonight, uh, but we will have enough to, to, to have it. So we'll kind of, and we've got some new people coming, so we're going to actually repeat kind of what we did last week. Uh, but at the same point in time, it's always different. Uh, everyone's welcome to come. So we will have Karen's Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock, and then we'll uh, again next week, and we should have a full house. Anyone's welcome to come, uh, and we invite you to come. which stands for Mercy, and it's our basically our discipleship program. So anyone, you're always welcome to come. You're not obligated to come. You can come as you will. And anyway, just some very uh, powerful classes that we have uh, regarding being grounded in who we are in Christ and in the gospel. Anyway, so we welcome you to that. And again, we have a new website, lighthousediscipleship.org. Uh, feel free to go there, navigate, explore. Uh, hit some buttons, uh, respond to some things, uh, just take it for a test drive. Uh, we are looking, uh, I know we're still live streaming on Facebook, where we still need about 2,500 dollars to get a new computer, so that we, uh, with the camera, new camera we're going to be hidden and whatnot, we can have a better live stream performance uh, with quality equipment, and it will be right on our website, and, uh, as well as some other videos that we'll be doing with that as well. Anyway, uh, so uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Again, happy Mother's Day. And we're just going to jump right back into the message this morning. Isn't that good? Well, we are talking about wisdom. Wisdom being the principal thing. And as found in Proverbs 4, 7. And we need to go get it, it says. We need to go pursue wisdom. Uh, wisdom is the principal thing. I want to actually start this morning just uh, uh, somewhere I've shared before in this series as we uh, bring this to a conclusion by next week as the series will conclude. But I want to go to James chapter 1 real quick. And I just want to use this to kind of uh, launch my message this morning as we get into the pillars of wisdom again in just a second. But um, I just felt the need to remind us why I'm teaching this. And why do we need wisdom? Why is it the principle thing? Why do we pursue it? In James chapter 1 verse 5, James says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally, or generously, and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not, not, not man suppose that he will receive anything with the Lord, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. It's not that God won't give it to him, it's he won't receive it. Uh, we need, if we don't have wisdom, we need to ask 
And I don't know about, and we, we've talked at length at the beginning of the series comparing the wisdom of God and the wisdom of man, or the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of the world is sensual, it's earthly, it's demonic, compared to the wisdom of God that is pure, it's peaceable, it's willing to be entreated, it's uh, without hypocrisy, without partiality, it's full of mercy and grace. And I don't know about you, but I want the wisdom of God and not the wisdom of man. I want the wisdom of God and not the wisdom of man in any day. But I'm also teaching this message because we are in the, I believe, the last of the last days. And if you, you don't have to go very far in the media, the news, to see how corrupt our world is getting. And it's just getting bad. We need the wisdom of God in these last days for our own home, for our own lives, as parents, as married couples, uh, as a church of the living God. We need the wisdom of God. I've talked at length at the very beginning that the wisdom of God is the gospel. The wisdom of God is Jesus. The wisdom of God is the spirit of God. It's the spirit of wisdom. It's the Bible. It's the, it's the gospel. It's the wisdom of God. I, set, I spent a lot of time to, to talk about that in the first uh, probably six sessions of our series on wisdom. And I use that as the foundation because I believe that is always the foundation to anything we teach. But then I also went to, into the book of Proverbs and that most of us will realize that Solomon taught a lot about wisdom. How wisdom is crying out to us in the streets. It's, and, uh, and wisdom is the principal thing and we need to go pursue it. We need to get that wisdom. Not, we need to walk in the fear of the Lord. And we need to respect and honor Him, honor His Word. And that includes, and I believe all Scripture is proper for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that includes wisdom. And in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1, it says that, that wisdom has hewn out, or uh, hewn out seven pillars. And we see those seven pillars uh, described and outlined in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. And we and those those seven pillars are knowledge, understanding, judgment. And the last week we looked at justice and equity. Today we're going to look at discretion, number six. And then we'll conclude next week with subtlety. Subtlety. And that will be interesting because most of us think of subtlety in a negative connotation. We're going to look at it from a positive connotation. But that's going to be next week. Okay? But we're going to look at discretion today. And some of these just off the surface, like, well, Dave, why are you spending so much time with this discretion? I want to hear about the good stuff. Well, I, I taught all the other stuff. The, the, when I say stuff, I don't even mean, I feel even bad about just even calling it stuff. But I, I, I set the foundation of this whole series that the wisdom of God is the gospel. It is Jesus, His Word. But I also believe that, we, how many of you know that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit? We are the house of God. The writer of Hebrews and Paul of Corinthians makes that very specific, that we are the house of God. We've been bought with a price. And I, but it, Solomon said that wisdom has built her house and has hewn out seven pillars. 
And again, I believe all scripture, including Proverbs, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Because of Christ, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But because I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, I want to live righteously in these last days. I want to live righteously and live with, and I want to be a man of wisdom. Not the wisdom of man that's earthly and sensual and demonic, but the wisdom that's from above. The wisdom of God, the gospel of God, and I want to use it in my knowledge and understanding and judgment and justice and equity, using discretion. And next week we'll talk about subtlety. So I'm spending a lot of time with this because if you can connect all the dots that I'm trying to connect for you, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God and he will give it to you generously. And we need these seven pillars in our lives. And any day. But even in the day uh, that we live in, and um, you know, we, we just we just need wisdom. We need the wisdom of God, because I don't know about you, but I want to be led by the Spirit of God. Walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians five sixteen. And I believe that the Spirit of God is the Spirit of wisdom. I want to be led by the Spirit of God. I'm talking about a lot of practical things, but I believe this practical, in all practicalness, I don't know if that's a word, but I'm, I'm making a word, in all practicality, I think probably is a better way of saying it, I don't know, but in all practicalness, can I understand what I'm saying when I say that? <laughs> but in all practicalness, I want to be led by the Spirit of God. And I'm not, and, and not by the the wisdom of, of men. And, uh, and so with that. So we're going to look at our six pillars today. And uh, I just got too much material to, to go into the seventh one today. But uh, the sixth one is called discretion. And discretion does, again, all seven of these pillars work in harmony. If you can imagine seven pillars built this house. You can't eliminate one of the pillars and otherwise the house caves in. But let me also say this, I've said this before towards the beginning, that none of us are operating in seven, all seven of these perfectly. We're growing in grace. We're growing in the knowledge of God. We are maturing in Christ. We don't do these things perfectly. We don't have these things mastered. But we serve the master. We see, and he's the one that is going to at work. To, uh, to do of his good pleasure. He's working in us. He's perfecting us. He's sanctifying us. That is the wisdom of God. That is the spirit of God leading us. But just because I'm not a master, that doesn't mean I don't want to study to show myself approved. I want the wisdom of God. I want to the knowledge of God. I want the understanding of God. I want to uh, uh, judge with righteous, sound judgment. I want to live justly. I want to have equity in my life. And in these last days, I also want to have discretion. I want to have discretion in my marriage. I want to have discretion with the affairs of my life and the things that we go into. So, hopefully that's making sense, but I just felt the need to just kind of bring back to why are we teaching this? Why am I going this? For someone who preaches the gospel and nothing about the gospel. What does this have to do with the gospel? I believe it has everything to do with the gospel. 
Okay, if you if you that, that, the, the gospel is the foundation, and on that foundation there's a house that's being built, and that house I believe is in many ways these seven pillars of modern things. That makes sense. We need to look through life at many angles. The gospel, it's the same gospel, it's the same foundation. Anytime we remove ourselves from that that foundation, that gospel, then the whole thing crumbles. That makes sense? Okay? So discretion. Let's just bring out some definitions to this. Discretion, to, to, to have discretion means to, to be circumspect. It means to be prudent, cautious, discreet. It's calculating. In other words, it's calculating, uh, it's, it's seeing, I have it later in my definitions here, but uh, it's, uh, I'm not seeing it here, but it's, it sees what's on the horizon. It's making decisions. Um, it's, it's thinking ahead, it's, it's thinking of uh, uh, the processes, and it's processing the consequences of my actions. Or even the actions of others, whether it be good or bad, ahead of time. Okay? Um, discretion involves our, a, a lot of it has to do with our thought process, where we set our minds on. We just spent some time in, in Easter, but in one of my verses I came across was Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, because we are raised with Christ. And I've set our minds on things above. I want the Spirit of God, I want the wisdom of God to govern the way I think. I want to use discretion, circumspectfully, if that's the word, prudently. I want to be prudent in the way that I process things in my mind. That's huge. I'm going to give them a little more time with that in just a minute. But to, be, to have discretion deals with our, our speech, our attire, the way that we present ourselves, the way that we act, uh, the, how we deal with issues and the issues of life. I got this from uh, Dwayne Sheriff, but it's the acuteness of, of mental discretion. It's soundness of judgment. Um, we, it's a, we, discretion is the ability to make responsible our quality decisions. How many of you know that we are the head and not the tail? We are above and not beneath. We are the children of God. And we need the, the ability by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of wisdom, to make responsible and quality decisions. It's having a taste or a sense for the things around us. We need to have discretion with our judgment that we talked about a few weeks ago. Okay? It also includes being sensitive to our surroundings. To know how to properly relate to the situations and the things that surround us. Okay? I'm going to just throw this one out here because it's in, it's in Scripture. But go with me real quick to Proverbs 11. I'm not going to make a big deal out of this one, but I, I just want to... Uh, it talks about discretion, so I want to use it. Uh, 
Proverbs 11.22 says, As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a loving woman who lacks discretion. Now, ladies, I know this is probably not the best message to use on a verse to use on Mother's Day. Don't get offended. He's not comparing you to a pig. Okay? But that's not the point. You can even change it to a man. Okay? But you don't put a gold ring in a, in a, in a pig's snout. It doesn't fit. So is it with a lady, a woman, or a man, anyone who lacks discretion. It doesn't fit. For example, let me use an extreme example. You don't wear a bathing suit at a wedding. Unless for some strange reason that is an attire set by the, the, the bride and the groom. But in most weddings, in any wedding I've been to, you, don't, you just don't wear a bathing suit to a wedding. Flip that around, you don't wear a tuxedo to the beach. I mean, I get it, granted, you could have a wedding at the beach or uh, whatever the case may be. And, uh, but most people, you will stand out. This is, I'm just trying to paint a picture of what discretion looks like. That makes sense? It doesn't fit. You need to use discretion in certain things. I mean, we, we just went on a cruise. And uh, two nights on the cruise, it's a formal night. Now, you don't have to. You can eat in the buffet. You don't have to. But if you are just totally in your shorts and tank top, whatever your taste is for just leisure wear, you know, you're just going to stand out. And if you don't want to stand out, you want to blend in at least. Maybe you're not going to wear a tuxedo and be all formal, but you're at least going to maybe wear a, a collar shirt for me and slacks or, or at least some nice jeans. You know, it just... It goes with the flow. It goes in discussion. Okay? Uh, is that making sense? Okay? Now, there, there's, I can give all kinds of examples. We can spend all day on that. But discretion is, is how to plan and prepare for things ahead. It's thinking ahead, again, of the consequences, good or bad, of things ahead. It's being prudent and judicious in practical affairs. And it's careful in planning, preparing for the future. I'm going to get to some scripture in just a second, but uh, don't have to turn here. But in 1 Peter 5 and also in Titus chapter 2, both Peter and Paul talk about how we need to have be sober-minded. Now, when I'm talking about being sober, I'm not talking about alcohol. That could apply, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being sober-minded. How many of you know that we can't, it would be dangerous for us to isolate us? ourselves from the world, and actually it's practically impossible. Unless you live on some deserted island, you cannot be isolated from the world. But just because we are not isolated from the world, that doesn't mean we can't be separate from the world. Does that make sense? In other words, what I'm trying to paint a picture is that in our world and in our society, especially some of you who are listening, because of the job that you have, or the family that you are part of, they're very, they can be very worldly, or, or whatever the case may be. I don't even know that but those of us who are in Christ, we need to find ways to detox ourselves mentally from this world. We have to learn how to detox ourselves from things that we might be exposed to. We have to do that mentally. Paul said in Romans 8, 6, to be naturally minded or carnally minded is death. 
but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. One of the things that prompted me to even teach on this message on wisdom, in our last message, we were talking about the gospel of the kingdom, and we spent a lot of time in the parable of the sower, and the, the, the sower sows seed on four kinds of soil. The, the, the good soil is the good soil that the seed fell on good soil because they heard and then understood the word of God. And I talked a lot about that when I was talking about the pillar of understanding. But the third soil is the soil that fell, fell is the seed that fell on thorny soil, where the cares of this world, the lust for other things, and deceitfulness of riches choke out the good seed. They heard the word of God. And they were doing well. But the cares of this world choked it out. Discretion is the ability to detox from the cares of this world. How many of you know that it doesn't, we just went on vacation. And it's nice to, 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 to get away from everything. And just enjoy God's creation and people and whatnot. And but... And part of the hard part is we love what we do, but we had to get back into the grind of things. Back into the, our, our regular days, and we love what we do vocationally in every which way. But how many of you know that it doesn't take long, even doing good things, to get consumed with the cares of this world? And we have to learn to detox. We have to learn to get our mind back on Christ. We have to learn to get our mind on earthly, th on heavenly things, on things above, and who we are in Christ. Even on a cruise, we have to do that. Even on vacation, even if you were on the island, you have to learn to detox and get your mind back on Christ. That makes sense. That's called discretion. We need discretion to be able to what we think about, because Bible says, "What as a man, as a man thinketh, so is he." And we have to guard our heart. We, he will keep in perfect peace. He whose mind is stayed upon him. Okay? See, discretion is calculating. It's processing information. It's planning for the best for tomorrow. And, and, and there's more I can elaborate on, but go with me and get some scripture out here. Uh, Luke chapter 14. That's where I'm going to start. Luke 14, we'll pick it up in verse 26. And we see, we see this in other uh, gospel writers. And we see this in other different contexts that we've talked about. But I want to I wanna look at this from another angle this morning. Okay? We'll start in verse 26. It says, If anyone comes to me, Jesus is speaking, and does not hate his father and mother, and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come and after me cannot be my disciple. But which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Last, after he had laid the foundation, and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. Verse 30, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Verse 31, Or what king going to war against another king 
did not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sent a delegation and asked conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now there's a lot here, I'm not going to get into every aspect of this, and we've looked at this in different aspects before, and I'm not here to take away from this. But we're talking about discretion here, and he's, he's talk, he, he compares with someone who counts the cost to build a tower, and those who count the cost to go to war. We, how many of you know we need to know the Word of God and how, and, and, and how to apply it? Anyway, I, I, don't, I don't want to come back to that thought. Let me know that we are called to be disciples and not converts. We're following God. We're, be, we're, we're, we're learning. And in this learning, we're learning to count the cost. He uses some strong language in verse 26. If anyone doesn't come to me, does not hate his father and mother. Wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, it's a life also. That's strong language. And for, for many people, that could be like, what do you mean we're supposed to hate them? Isn't hate murder? We're going to murder our family and whatnot. That's not strong language. But let me just paint the picture this way. Our loyal commitment to God is so superior to any other relationship. Because we're so loyal to God, it can appear as hatred towards our other relationships. That makes sense? Okay. I teach this when I teach time management. Whenever you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. God, Jesus, is not telling us to hate our family and hate our own life. Okay. But we are to be so loyal and so committed to God. From a certain point of view, it can appear like hatred. That makes sense? That we need to understand that. We count the cost that I am going to serve God with all costs. Now that doesn't mean we disown and hate and totally reject our families. Mothers on Mother's Day... This is not a message for your kids to, to, to hate you, okay? But at the same point in time, any good Christian mother wants to see her child totally sold out and committed to God. And I, I can't be the good husband I'm supposed to be unless God is first in my life. If that ever becomes backwards... If my wife ever becomes first and God's second, our marriage will be destroyed by flesh and just by the cares of this world and different things. That makes sense? God has to be first. That doesn't mean I know earthly good. That doesn't mean we don't have other relationships. But in the pecking order of things, I am so loyal to God. I'm counting the cost. And the, what I have counted the cost, I, I mean, you know, we are at war. With the enemy. We are at war for our families and our marriages and our children. We are, we are at war in our faith with, with, with God. And if we are not loyal to God, that is counting the cost. 
That is seeing if we can make it. Because if I am not loyal and committed to my relationship with God, I will not make it. I cannot have wisdom in these hands. That make sense? But let me also paint another picture. It doesn't cost anything to become a child of God. It's free. But being a child of God involves costs. I, there are things I'm going to say no to. There's things that are going to take second place, third place, fourth place, and, and, and etc. Because God is first and foremost in my life. I've counted the costs. But let, let me also say it this way. We count the costs we're doing right in advance. So that we don't back down, we don't back up, we don't back off, we're doing what is right. I am going to preach the gospel. And I don't care if it ever becomes illegal in this country or any other country. I am going to, first I'm going to keep my loyalty and commitment to God. And out of that relationship, I'm going to preach the gospel. And if my life would ever be taken from me because I preached the gospel, I have already counted the cost in advance that I'm going to do that. That makes sense? I'm going to do the right thing. And there have been times even in our marriage, there have been times even in our ministry, that Sherry and I have chose to do the right thing, and it's cost us. It's cost us friends. It's cost us different things. It's cost us things. But we made the choice in the best. We're going to do the right thing even with the only one. We counted the cost. We didn't necessarily like the price. But we chose, we chose to count the cost. That makes sense? That's, everything I'm describing is called discretion. It takes discretion to make those decisions. It, it takes discretion to count the cost. Let's take it from a whole other angle. Let's go to Psalm 1 and 12, verse 5. Okay? Now the gospel is like a prison. And this whole house of wisdom is like a prison. And we're, we're looking at it from different angles. But Psalm 1, 12, we're going to look at verse 5. If you want to be a good man or woman, deals graciously and wins. The last part, he will guide his affairs with discretion. A good man will guide his affairs with discretion. All those definitions that I began to describe in the first part of this message, it kind of sums up right here. A good man will guide his affairs with discretion. You see, a good man plans ahead. A good man looks ahead. A good man calculates and prepares and evaluates himself in a situation. How many of you know just sometimes in our calculation we can see that it can be dangerous? But we're going to count the cost and do what God tells us to do. That makes sense? Let me, let me paint the picture this way. I choose... Now that I'm perfect at this, I choose to allow God to be my shepherd. I let God dictate, in a sense, what I'm going to do today. What I'm going to teach this morning. How I'm going to minister and different things of that nature. 
It takes discretion. It's planning ahead. It's counting the cost. And it's allowing God to have a voice in my life. That makes sense? We, discretion is we see what is coming ahead and we want to be prepared. Discretion, this is the evidence I was looking for earlier. Discretion is motivating, preparing us for what is on the horizon. A church that is committed to building healthy churches and growing people in Christ must operate with discretion. I want to say that enough again. A church or a system of churches is that is committed to building healthy churches and growing healthy people in Christ <coughs> must operate in discretion. I mean, we know sometimes people get problems with that, even this whole planning. They want to live their life on the fly. I want to be spirit-led. But I believe the spirit of God can also orchestrate and help us count the cost even in advance. That makes sense. God always has a, a, a if I, I, I'm always on God to, to change the direction we're going to go and the things we're going to do. But that doesn't make me go Look at creation. God planned how he created this universe, this planet. He planned it. It wasn't with wisdom. It was with intelligence that he created everything. And, uh, and so, anyway, they're just marvels. I mean, we spent a week on a cruise on the ocean. And just how God orchestrated all that. <coughs> it wasn't just some big bang theory and just like whatever will be will be no he planned it he created it he artistically he thought about it there's science in it there's uh, uh, science is amazing because God created science God created things and uh, anyway it's just amazing to me it doesn't mean I understand it all I understand how it all works um, but it, it's amazing Going to Proverbs chapter 2. Now we spent some time here several weeks ago, and we'll come back to it. Now, I know this is not going to be a major theological point, but Proverbs chapter 2 comes after Proverbs chapter 1. We all, we all, can we all bear witness with that? Okay, we're good in that. Proverbs chapter 1, Solomon outlines the seven pillars. I believe most of those those pillars are being illustrated here in chapter 2. Not just discretion, but many of the other ones as well. So we're going to take this a little bit of time here looking at some of this. Um, so let's start, let's start with verse 1. And I'm actually going to switch gears here. I'm going to go to the Amplified and read this from the Amplified version. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to skillful and godly wisdom, and inclining and directing your heart and mind to understanding, applying all your powers to the quest for it. Yes, if you cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek wisdom as for silver and search for skillful and godly wisdom as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of our omniscient God. 
my pause there for a moment. I'm going to read some more in a second. But I mean, you know, we talked about late in times past that wisdom is crying out to us. We also, wisdom is a principal thing, and we need to go get it. Wisdom, it says in verse 4, is, I think it's, yeah, it's like a hidden treasure. We need to go seek it. We need to go find it. We need to hunger. We need to desire the wisdom. If we don't desire wisdom, then we will never do what I started out with today in James 1.5, asking God for it. We need us. If you knew, talk about ocean. If you knew there was a billion dollars in a sunken treasure somewhere in the Pacific Ocean at a certain place, how many of you would, even if you don't know how to scuba dive, even if you don't know how to do different things, you will use discretion and you'll find out how to go get that. You'll pursue that hidden treasure. Well, there is a hidden treasure, and it's called the gospel. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. I spoke now on Easter Sunday. We have this treasure in us. And, and in this treasure, there is the wisdom of God. We need to seek the wisdom of God. So that we can operate in the wisdom of God. See, you will not never operate in the wisdom of God casually you will actually default to the wisdom of man, which is sensual, earthly, demonic. We talked about that later in times past. Wisdom is crying out to us, we've read in other scriptures and prophets. We need to respond back to her cry. We need to pursue her. We need to go after her. Verse 6. For the Lord gives skillful and godly wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. We've looked at those two colors in the past. The Lord gives skillful and godly wisdom. He gives knowledge and understanding. If we want knowledge of our times, if we want understanding of God in this hour, in these last days, we need to keep hearing God and hearing His Word. His word, his wisdom comes from His mouth. Wisdom comes from the Word of God. Verse 7. He hides away sound and godly wisdom. And he stores it for the righteous, those who are upright and right standing with him. He is a shield of those who walk uprightly and in integrity. Okay? Uh, just saying, get some notes. He hides and stores godly wisdom for the righteous. How many of you know that we teach in this church that he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him? Do you know, are you in Christ? Have you received Christ? And God has stored up the wisdom for you. That makes sense? That's powerful. It's hidden for you. you must, but you must go get it. See, wisdom, I can tie this into the, 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 the mysteries of God. The wisdom of God. The mysteries of the kingdom of God. And one thing I keep teaching in this series on wisdom is that we need to have a relationship with God. That's huge. That I, I teach a lot about righteousness. I teach a lot about the gospel. But really when it comes down to it, I'm teaching about having a relationship with God. Not a religion, but a relationship that is real, it's loyal, it's committed, and where God, I talk to God, God talks to me. I, I'm talking about a relationship that works. I'm talking about Christianity where there's power. 
to raise the dead and heal the sick. There's, I talk about relation God where when we need wisdom, we can have wisdom. When we need knowledge and understanding, we can have it. When we need to know how to deal with situations and whatnot, we can have discretion. We can have judgment and justice and equity and how to be wise, wise as serpents and harmless as doves in this generation, in this hour. Okay? But as with any, any, any relationship, how many of you know that as much as I know God, and I haven't gotten to know God, I don't know everything there is to know about God. I am still, and, and this goes with any relationship, same thing with my wife, same, uh, I don't know everything about, we're still getting to know. That's actually part of the fun of a relationship. If you actually knew everything you knew about that person, they would actually become boring at some point. It's just how it works. If we knew everything we knew about God, at some point it would get just boring. But how many of you know, and I, I know that's hard for us to fathom, but part of the, 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 the beauty of a of, uh, of relationship with God is that we, every time I read His Word, every time I spend time, I get to see a new angle, a new aspect. Uh, even if it's a fresh, I get to see it again. And maybe, maybe I'm using the wrong word, but boring. But we're not just robots. We're not, we're not just pre-programmed. It's in the seed. But we have to grow, mature, and seek. And there's a pursuit. But if you don't, this goes with any relationship. If your heart's not in it, if you don't pursue it, then you will, you will be limited in what you get out of it. That's the same thing for a marriage. That's the same thing for an employee-employer. Whatever you put into it, you're gonna, that's what, what you reap is what you sow. It's just how the world works. That makes sense? And there's this wisdom of God that is so rich and so beautiful. And it's so, in a sense, it's mysterious. But it's, it, it, because the world doesn't understand it. The world can't get it, but those of us in Christ, it's laid up for you. You need to pursue it. You need to seek it. It's the principal thing. There's wisdom of how to do anything that you need to do. How to respond to anything you need to respond to. There is wisdom in this hour, in this age, in this generation, and it's in the Spirit of God, it's in the Word of God, it's in the relationship with God. It's hidden for you. I'm hoping that you get that. We haven't gotten to the discussion part in this passage, but it's in this context that he's going to bring out discussion. Am I making sense with any of this? Verse 8, that he may guard the path of justice. We talked about that last week. Yes, he preserves the way of his saints. Then you will, also, will understand righteousness, justice, and fair dealing, that's equity, in every state and relation. Yes, you will understand every good path. You see how beautiful and awesome this wisdom is? For skillful and godly wisdom shall enter into your heart, and knowledge shall be pleasant to you. Verse 11. For discretion shall watch over you, and understanding shall keep you. Discretion will watch over you. When you make wise choices, when you are operating in the wisdom of God, by the Spirit of God, that wisdom will watch over you. I don't know if I fully understand how it works, just like I don't know if I fully understand how the ocean works, like I talked about earlier. But I do know 
that when we allow the wisdom of God by the Spirit of God that give us discretion, that discretion will watch over us. When we say, Lord, I got it. I'm going to make my decisions. I'm going to live my life my, with my own, in my own understanding. The Bible says, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge in Him, and He will direct your path straight. Just because you trust Him doesn't always mean it will be always a bed of roses. Jesus also said that in this life you will have tribulation. Sometimes we have to count the cost. Sometimes we will go to war. Sometimes there will be battles. But God's wisdom will watch over you. He will preserve you. Am <coughs> I not, not making sense? He's like, well, he said he's going to watch over you, but now I'm going to go through troubles too. Which is it? He will guard you. He will preserve you in the storm. As you keep your eyes on him, you will walk in the water. You will go through the water. Even like <coughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you might even go in the fire. <coughs> Excuse me. But remember the words of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Even if God doesn't preserve us, we will not bow down. I mean, you know, we will see the King of Kings. We will be in right relationship with him. We will see him in glory. Uh, the apostles were martyred. The apostles went through things. Paul went through things. Peter went. Jesus went through things. But through it all, with discretion, God, by the Spirit of God, protected them, preserved them. Because, I mean, you know, this life is not all there is. I mean, you know, you can't kill me. You can kill me naturally, but you can't. There'd be, there'd be uh, absent from the body to be present with the Lord. No matter, whatever I die, I win. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to be done till God's done with me. There's, a, there's, a, there's something we're supposed to do. There's a call, there's a destiny. And as we allow the wisdom of God to give us discretion, we're not done till God says, now, if we put that in our own hands, we can forfeit some things. We can die prematurely. We can do different things prematurely. That makes sense? I'm hoping I'm making sense with some of this stuff. Verse 12. To do, uh, uh, let me read verse 11 again. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding shall keep you. To deliver you from the way of evil. And the evil man. From man. From man who speak perverse things. And are liars. Man who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, who are crooked in their way and wayward and devious in their paths. Discretion shall watch over you. Understanding will keep you to deliver you from the alien woman, from the outsider and her flattering words, who forsakes the husband and guide him with you and forgets the covenant of her God. Anyways, the picture, the picture is being painted over and over and over again that discretion will guard you. I mean, you know, I don't know about you, but I know discretion has guarded me. Don't go down that path. Don't turn that channel. Don't go here. Don't go there. Don't go alone. I'm not talking about persecution. I'm talking about I mean, we know the enemy will try to trap you, to seduce you, to tempt you, to fall into whatever sin. We all have our weaknesses. Some may have a weaknesses with 
alcohol and drugs. Some may have a weakness with fornication of various kinds. Some people might have a weakness with gossip. Some people might have a wisdom with negative thoughts, or whatever the case may be. But how many of you know, if we don't use discretion, the enemy will lead us down a path that we don't want to go, that we shouldn't go. But we have to guard our heart with all diligence, because out of it flows the issues of life. The, the, the seed that fell on the, on the thorny soil, the cares of the world chucked it out. It heard the word of God. But it was choked out by the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of much, the cares for many things. But if we don't allow the Lord to, dis- to lead us and guide us through discretion, among other, other attributes of the pillars of wisdom, then we can go down a path that we may. I'm not talking about martyrdom. I'm not talking about persecution. The Bible says we will endure some of those things. But at the same point in time, uh, there's a difference between stupidity and going down a path that we shouldn't go because of sin and, and being seduced to the dark side, if I can use Star Wars language, versus, you know, just uh, uh, being persecuted for our faith. That makes sense. And if we don't use discretion in this hour, in this day, and, and we can even get caught up in an argument, in a dispute, that is a waste of time, a waste of energy. Uh, destructive to both parties involved and others. And uh, we'll get, I get a little ahead of myself because I'm going to deal with some of that in just a minute. Is that making sense? Let's switch gears a little bit here. Let's go to Proverbs 25 11. The Bible says it this way and a man think, think he stands to take heed lest he fall. We need the Spirit of God. We need the wisdom of God. We need the pillar of wisdom and discretion, what we're talking about this morning. To guard us from falling. To guard our hearts from becoming prideful. Um, we need to submit to God, resist the devil. But we need to submit to God. We need to let Him to give us discretion and be prudent in our lives. Sometimes it's not because, how I many of you know the Bible also says in James that he who knows to do good but doesn't do it sins. Maybe it's not, we're not dealing with alcohol and some type of sin of, of fornication, of temptation of nature. But how many of you know, how many, how many of you struggle with not being motivated at times? How many of you struggle with not doing what you need to do? Or allowing your mind to wander into negative thoughts or just vain thoughts? Discretion will also teach you to get into fellowship. To get into the Word of God, to spend time with the Lord, to do what you need to do to 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 defend the flame of your first love of God. We think of it so many times in a negative connotation, but what about a positive connotation? We need to be discreet and discretion to spend time with the Lord and and, and to to nurture and understand it. And and uh, in the flesh we can't motivate ourselves, but in the spirit we can be motivated. By the Spirit of God, by the body of Christ. That makes sense? Use discretion not only to refrain yourself from doing wrong, but also use discretion and to entice yourself to do right. If I can use that, I don't know if I'm using the right word with enticement, but I think you get my point. Proverbs 25 11. It says, A word fitly spoken. Actually, I want to go back to the 
Oh, I'm here, so that's not a reason to amplify. As a word fitly spoken in due season is like apples of gold and settings of silver. Um, let's go back to the New King James. A word fitly spoken like apples of gold and settings of silver. So not, not too much difference. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't know about the apples of gold and settings of silver. That might not be your taste. But you also, your Solomon is writing here. And perhaps some of their decor, things that they enjoyed, silver, apples of gold, that would not. But I'm not so much worried about so much focus about that, but a word that is spoken. He's trying to, to paint a, a lovely picture, a beautiful picture. Uh, um, something that's just very tasteful and rich. This is where I want to get with this. Actually, the New Living Translation says this, I think. In my notes, it says, uh, a word fully spoken. Uh, t a timely advice is lovely. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed a word from God? You just need a word. Have you ever had it where someone, whether it can come through someone else too. A brother, a pastor, spoke a word and it was just right on what you needed in that moment, in that hour, in that circumstance. Church, when I'm trying, as a pastor, I've been talking a lot about the wisdom of God. Right now I'm talking about the discussion, but in a whole I'm talking about the wisdom of God. Because we need the wisdom of God in our lives. We need the wisdom of God in this church. As parents, we need to teach the wisdom of God to our kids. We need to teach the wisdom of God to the next generation. But not only do I want to have the wisdom of God for my own self, but I want to be so saturated with the wisdom and word of God that I can pass that wisdom on to somebody else. I want to minister to one another out of the overflow of how God is ministering in my own life. That makes sense? Sometimes I'm spending time with the Lord not just for me, although I need ministry too. But I'm, I'm spending time with the Lord so that I, that I can be so filled and overflowing with God so that I can minister to other people. Not just from a pulpit, not just as a pastor, but also in, in any place. I want to, when people reach out for prayer, when people will reach out for advice, or even just in small talk, and as they're talking, and the issues of life come out in conversation, I, I want to be used of God with discretion to speak a timely word that fits. How many of you know that there's people all around us that God has placed in our lives? There's people, I mean, we know that we. I don't know about you, but I get divine appointments at times. We had, uh, we were uh, one of the days on the on the ship. We we were at breakfast. We were actually having breakfast with another couple, and we were actually fixing, kind of wrapping things up. And then another couple came and joined us for breakfast in the buffet. Well, did we know that we were going to connect with this couple as well? Later on, or a couple of days later, they had a, they had a very serious prayer request. I was able to minister to them. I am on vacation, I'm ministering. 
And while they're talking and while they're sharing their this this prayer request, I'm praying for God for wisdom. I'm praying for God for discretion, for a timely word, a word that they need. And it's awesome when God uses you to give a person, someone, a word and season so that that word can bring forth fruit. Am I making sense? A word that fits their situation, an answer that brings comfort and wisdom. You know, we get a lot of requests as pastors, not just for prayer for healing, not just prayer for finances and relationships, but we get a lot of prayer requests just for wisdom. What should I do? I don't know about you, but in my own life, I don't want just a religious answer. I don't want some, some theological response. I want the Word of God. I want the wisdom of God. And as a pastor, as a friend, as a husband, whatever role I'm in, whatever situation, I don't want to just give a theological pat answer, the, uh, religious answer. I want to be able to give a word in season that is fruitful, that will change your lives. That makes sense? And it takes discretion by the wisdom of God, by the Spirit of God, to be able to deliver that word. I don't want to be so much in relationship with God that I know exactly what to say. Jesus knew how to respond to different situations, including the Pharisees, including other situations. And I believe a lot of that came out, that discretion, that wisdom came out of relationship, of spending time with God. Proverbs 19, verse 11. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. That's profound if you think about that. How many of you know that we need discretion? There's some conflicts they need to be fought. And there's some conflicts we need to let things go. That makes sense? And we need discretion when to overlook a matter. And there's some times we need discretion of when to confront a matter. We need that discretion by the Spirit of God. Does that make sense? But in this context, the problem between the discretion of man makes him slow to anger. So he's not just reacting in his flesh and his glory to overlook a transgression. Even when I confront a matter, I want to confront a matter with mercy and grace. I mean, I've talked a lot about that in the past. But I never want to do it out of anger. I never want to do it out of wrath. I never want to do it out of, I got you. I want to punish you. God's love, I mean, Peter says it this way, God's love covers a multitude of sins. Just look at my notes here. Let me just say this, it's better to forgive and let things go and take the hint if we are offended. <clears throat> I never want to respond in anger because I was offended. I got, we got to hear this. I never want to respond in anger because of offense. 
even at times when I have to address things, I do not want to address it out of offense. That makes sense? That's flesh. I'm not reacting because I was hurt. When we react out of the flesh, when we react out of our fence, we create more problems by dealing with the fence out from an offended heart. We will make them more upset than confront them directly with what they upset us about. We need to learn how to release others and turn the other cheek. That's called discretion. However, there are if letting it go will cause harm to themselves, others, or the generation at large. Some things can't be let go. And I'm not addressing them because I was offended. I'm addressing them because they are going to hurt themselves, others, or, uh, others in many ways. That doesn't mean I can change it. But there's, um, what, I'm, what I'm trying to point out is there's, there's a motive. There's a, there's a, one is done out of anger and hurt and offended. And another one is done out of love for them, for others. Let me just say it this way. I've seen many different parents, and I'm not a parent, so I'm not necessarily one to speak. But I've seen some parents, and they won't let anything go. Even the, the minutest thing, they will judge and condemn and, 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 and no mistake. I've seen, I've seen some parents. I remember working at Foothill Christian School. I worked there for 10 years as, as an assistant child care director. And I didn't see this a lot, but every once in a while I would see some parents. They had no mistake. There was no enjoyment in life. They were, they were just disciplined, 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 disciplined. On that flip side, I saw some other parents where they let everything go. Everything was free. And there was never any discipline. And there was things out of control. Something to be let go will destroy your kids. Rules are okay. And it takes discretion of knowing that the balance between the two. But, I mean, this is just going to be some wild examples. But I'm not going to allow... Someone just bring a horse into the house. We love horses. We would like to go horseback riding. You can bring the horse and we'll corral it somewhere. But we're not going to let the horse come in the house. We're going to have some rules. We want some freedom for you to bring your horse. But we're not going to let the horse come in the house. Does that make sense? There's discretion involved. There's some rules. There's some boundaries. I'm not a horse hater. I don't hate your horse. And if we had a church, you can bring your horse to church. But you can't bring your horse in the church. That makes sense? I'm using a, 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 a facetious example of balancing between rules and freedom. Am I making sense? Same thing with kids running around after church. I'm not here, you know, uh, Maybe I'm just using some bad examples this morning, but it's the same that I came up with. <clears throat> you know, I don't want kids to be rude. I don't want them to injure themselves or injure others or disrespect others. But there's a time to let kids be kids. 
and run around to within reason. That makes sense? And hopefully I'm making sense, but uh, just uh, using discretion between not letting them enjoy life. But also at the same point in time, having some boundaries of how they can enjoy that. But I want to get back to you. And let's go real quick to Matthew 5. Matthew 5, 25. This whole idea of cor correction. I don't want to spend a lot of time with this. That's not my main message to hear. But I'm talking about discretion. When you let things go. And when you confront it. Matthew 25, Jesus is talking. He says, agree with your adversary quickly. Why are you on your way with him? Mr. Adversary, you deliver you to the judge. And the judge hands you over to the officer. And you be thrown into prison. Now, in context, I'm, again, I'm, I'm bringing this right in the middle of context here. Something I don't like to do all the time. But what does it mean? What does Jesus mean? I agree with your adversary. Now, from one aspect, I was reading Andrew's commentary on this. I, I totally like what Andrew was saying on this. How many of us have ever sinned? And blown it. And so Andrew encouraged us, it's okay to tell Satan, I made a mistake. You're right, I was wrong. It is also okay, and we do we can do this on our own a bit. I am not righteous because of my goodness. I am only righteous because of one thing, and that's because of Jesus Christ, who is my righteousness. We can agree with our adversary, yes, we blew it. Yes, we sinned. But we're also not going to be handed over to the judge. How many of you know when we get self-righteous about it? And we start looking at it, look what I've done, how I'm right. The enemy, the enemy will take that and run with that. And uh, the law is beneficial in this fact that it will, he's, we need a savior. And even when those of us who are righteous, the only thing that saves us is the blood of Jesus Christ. And we need to be reminded the only reason we are good is not because we've done good, but because of His righteousness. And when we get that revelation, when we understand that, that revelation will help us get set free from being addicted and going down the road of sin. But I was also listening to Dwayne Sheriff on this too in context of talking about what we're talking about, discretion. And relationships. And some, I mean, it goes along with the thought that I just said a minute ago. It's better to forgive and let things go when we have an offended heart. And when we, when we try to, without an offended heart, confront an issue. From an offended heart, when there's a conflict, we're just going to stir up our adversary. And we have to learn with discretion when to turn the other cheek and when to release them and let it go quickly. That makes sense? I'm not saying there's not a context in the proper, in Matthew 18, for example, in other scriptures, give us a a direction how to resolve conflict. And I'm not going to go there and spend time all the time for that this morning. I've done that in times past. 
But we need to have discretion uh, when we need to let a matter go and when we need to deal with it and how we need to deal with it. That makes sense? And if you study Matthew 18, you're not going to deal with it on your own. You can try the first time. If it's not received, then you get someone else. If it's not received, you get the church. So you're not railroading people. You're not, and there's discretion involved with a lot of that. That makes sense? But in some matters, we have to learn when we just let things go. Let me say it this way. There's some mountains I'm willing to die on. But I'm not going to die on every mountain. That makes sense? As a pastor, as a husband, as a, as a friend, as a brother in Christ. Some mountains I'm willing to die on. But I'm not willing to die on every mountain. I need discretion of when I just need to let things go. And some discretion when we need to deal with this issue. Because especially when it becomes a cancer that's going to affect the whole body, affect many people. Sometimes we need to have discretion biblically, do it the biblical way, the right way, and deal with it. And even then, there's discretion when the church lets them go. That makes sense? Okay, I'm not going to deal with that much more than that. We can talk more about that later. Um, a couple more scriptures, and I'm wrapping up. I'm basically out of time. Proverbs 24 6. And I'll finish up with these real quick here. Proverbs 24 6. We're wrapping up here. For by wise counsel, you will wage your own war. And in the most of your counselors, there are safe. I don't have time to go into much more, but I just want to let you know, because this is not new news, how many of you know that we are in a war? We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we are wrestling against principalities and powers. The devil is out to kill you, your marriage, your finances, your health, your life, your kids, your church. He's out to kill you. And we are not aware of that aware of his devices that we are at war. But how many of you know that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal? They're not natural, but they're spiritual for the pulling down of strongholds. And we need wisdom. And in some cases, in many cases, I don't have time to go to it, but there's uh, other scriptures you can read in Proverbs 11, 14, and Proverbs 13, 20. 20 I'm not going to, uh, well, Proverbs 11, 14 talks about safety in the multitude of counselors. Proverbs 13, 20 talks about he who walks with wise men will shall be wise. I also believe that you can have too many counselors. You have a situation and you go to 100 counselors, you get 100 different answers. That can get very confusing real quick. But there is safety in the multitude of counselors. Sherry and I, as in our marriage, as pastors, and other issues like we've gone to counselors. We've gone to counselors for finances. We've gone to counselors for physical reasons. Or we've gone to counselors for marriage reasons. And different things. Not because there's problems, just because there's safety in the wisdom of counsel. We're going to let God be our true counselor by the Spirit of God. But there's wisdom in counsel. There's wisdom in multiple counselors. Not just one counselor. We love Andrew. And we listen to his counsel, to his teaching. We like Lawson. We like Lawson, uh, Wayne Sure. And I like the combination of the mixture of these favorite speakers. We don't listen to everybody. We don't have time to listen to everybody. 
but there are a school of people that we listen to, uh, uh, some on different levels, some more intimate, and, 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 and we, get the, we connect with them, and some are more on a pastoral or, or uh, even a larger scope. But there's wisdom and counsel. In other words, I try to paint a picture, you don't know it all. And when you say, I got this, I don't need help, that's dangerous. That makes sense? There's discretion, there's the balance. I'm not going to be codependent on a pastor. I'm not going to be codependent on counselors of others. But I, there is wisdom in the counsel of others. Let me use another scripture in closing. 1 Corinthians 15.33 That evil communication corrupt good matters. I want to surround myself with good counsel. I do not want to surround myself with evil communication. There's discretion involved. That makes sense? I don't want to get so attached to an Andrew or Lawson that I'm so codependent on them. But I, there's wisdom in the counsel of others. I'm going to use discretion on who those counselors are going to be. People, and the Word of God, there's a verse in Acts that those who have a good reputation, those who have wisdom, those who have the Spirit of God. There are different qualifications for those who I can consider a counselor to speak into my life. But there's wisdom in that. God has orchestrated the body of Christ. He has orchestrated the church. He has orchestrated the, the, the uh, uh, society for a reason. There's wisdom in that. I also realize, you know, as a pastor, as a husband, I don't have the answer for everyone. And every pastor needs a pastor. We need wisdom, and we need others. And we need others to hear from God, to hear a time I'm not, I'm not interested in a pastor or a leader who's just going to give me a religious answer or a theological answer. I want it to be biblical, but I want it to be by the Spirit of God. I want it to be by the wisdom of God. How many of you know that you can get involved in a situation or a circumstance that you, sometimes you, we can become, become so blinded because we have not seen had an objective voice to speak into our lives? Am I, am I making sense with any of this? There's wisdom in the and all that, that I'm trying to paint a picture is called discussion. It's cackling. It's, 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 it's being prudent. And it's helping us so that we can resolve a matter. It's discretion so that we can... So, 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 some of the counsel we have, have had for our marriage and as pastors is not because of a problem. It's not being reactive. It's being proactive. It's just safe. It's just good. It's just healthy. To have a good relationship so that we can uh, avoid problems, not just react to problems. Does that make sense? But someone who's a uh, long ranger attitude, you ever notice long ranger always had troubles? That he had to endure. Yeah, Tonto, I don't want to be a long ranger. I, I'm, I'm probably painting a bad picture with that, but it's just uh, how we get what I'm saying. Well, next week we're going to pick up. We're going to conclude this soul series. We'll talk about subtlety. And, uh, and then uh, we're going to conclude this series. And then two, uh, two weeks from now, we're going to start a new series called Seeing Jesus in the Revelation. And we walk through the book of Revelation together. We good? Again, have a good and happy Mother's Day. Have a great lunch time. Spend time with your mom. We will have Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock. But we worship you. We exalt you. We magnify you. We thank you for the wisdom that you said you would give us abundantly, generously, if we ask. Help us to be discreet and prudent in this hour. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Mother's Day. God bless.